Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Well, this morning we're looking at the title of our sermon. It's called A Team in the Making, A New Team in the Making. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 46. And in our passage, we're going to find five of the disciples, five out of 12, that Jesus chose to be on his team. And they are John, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. But I don't have time to go through all five of those disciples, so I'm going to really zero in on Peter. And we're going to be looking at how Jesus took Peter and developed him into one of his members of the team. Really, he became the very captain of the team. So we're going to look at Peter, and because we're going to be focusing in on him, we're just going to be looking at two verses. The verses are found in verse 41 and 42 of John chapter 1. Verse 41 says, The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, what We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You would be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would like to ask you today that you would really forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, and that you would fill me with your spirit. And we as your people, we as your people, would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. That you would fill me and you would speak through me to your people. And you wouldn't stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things together in agreement that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in our time together here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have you ever noticed whenever God is doing a new thing in somebody's life, He's doing something special. He often changes their names. I've shared with that, that concept with you before. He took Abram, and Abram became Abraham. Sarah became Sarah. And Jacob became Israel. And Saul became Paul. But when Jesus had the first face-to-face encounter with our brother here today, with Simon, he literally looked at him and he said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to give you a new name. It's Peter. And why did he do that? He did that because he clearly wanted Simon to understand something. That he was changing his name because he had a specific purpose and plan for Simon. And the name that he had didn't match God's plan. You see, God knows the power in a name. He knows that a name has the power to, to change someone's image, someone's destiny, someone's character. He knows this. And that's why when the name of someone doesn't match up with God's plan, he changes their name. He changes their name to fit his plan. In our passage, when we find Andrew taking his brother to Jesus, you notice that he doesn't even get a chance to to introduce his brother? Jesus stops and says, you're Simon. 
In other words, he knew who Simon was. He knew Simon was a fisherman. He knew Simon was somebody who was bold. He was brash. He was loud. He was a leader. But he also knew Simon was somebody who vacillated. He was somebody who was, in, he was unreliable. And Jesus looked at him and understood that this man was somebody who made a lot of promises but had a very difficult time backing up what he promised. See, Simon's character was like shifting sand. So Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, you follow me, and I'm going to give you a new name. And that new name is Peter. And the word Peter literally means a rock. What he was saying to Simon was this, you come follow me, and I will transform you into somebody who is reliable, who is dependable, who will keep his promise. I will transform you into a leader. I will transform you into a rock if you follow me. So when you look at the scriptures and we're looking at it today, we need to remember that's what Jesus is doing here when he's calling out Peter and giving him a new name. He's basically saying to Simon, listen, you're going to be Peter. And what I want you to do is I want you to remember that name because that's going to help you understand what you can become. That's going to help you reach your potential. I don't, you, you are who you are right now, but you keep remembering. You're Simon, yes, but you are going to become Peter. You're going to become a rock. Let me give you a modern day illustration of what I'm talking about. Tommy Lasorda, who was the former manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, tells a story about a pitcher. And this young man was a skinny, lanky, tall pitcher, but had an extraordinary, powerful arm. And Tommy knew that this young man had the potential to be one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But he also knew that this young man was timid. And in order for him to reach his potential, he had to become a fierce competitor. So Tommy gave him a nickname, a nickname that was opposite of his personality. He gave him the name Bulldog. He gave him the name Bulldog. And that name, over time, over time now, that is exactly what happened to this pitcher. He became a Bulldog. And his name was Oral Hershiser. He became one of the most fierce, competitive pitchers that ever stood on a mound in Major, League Base, in Major League Baseball. In other words, he became one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. The nickname became a perpetual reminder of what he ought to be. Before long, it shaped what his attitude and ultimately his destiny. In other words, the name matched the plan. Jesus had a plan for Simon, and it was for him to be the leader, to be, if you will, the captain of the team. But Peter's or if you will, Simon's character had to be changed. He had to be transformed into Peter. So as you look at the scriptures and we look at that today, we'll see throughout the relationship between Simon, Peter, and Jesus that there's this back and forth, going back and forth. One time Jesus is calling Simon Peter and he's helping him to understand that right now, Peter, you are living up to your potential. And other times he calls Peter Simon when he's living like his old self. Over and over, Peter, Simon, Simon, Peter. So let's look at just two illustrations. Two illustrations, first of all, where Peter was called Peter because he lived up to his potential. In Matthew chapter 16, it says this, Jesus is with his disciples. And there when he's with his disciples, he asked them, who do the people say that I am? And they responded by saying, you are one of the prophets. 
And Jesus looked at him and said, well, but who do you say that I am? And it's only Simon Peter who can respond. And he says this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When he said that you are the Christ, he was saying you are the Messiah. And who gave that revelation to Simon Peter? God. God revealed that to him. And Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, he says this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So here's an example of Simon living up to his potential, Peter. Now let's look at an example of when Peter was living like Simon, like his old self, not living up to his potential. During the Last Supper, Jesus was having uh, discussions with his disciples, and the disciples were talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were arguing over. And Jesus addressed the disciples, and specifically Peter, because Peter was the leader. And he said this in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. What Jesus was saying is saying, Peter, you're acting like Simon. You're filled with pride. Pride. And pride is just before the fall. What are you worried about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Humble yourself. So did Simon Peter humble himself? No. In verse 33 it says, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus responds in verse 34, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. So throughout the scriptures we find this back and forth. Jesus calling Simon when he's not living up to his potential. He calls him Peter when he's living up to his potential. But I want to stop right here and go back to verse 34. There, he's calling Simon Peter when he's going to do it wrong. Why did he do that? Why did he call him Peter in that moment? He's going to do one of the greatest sins that Simon ever committed. Why wouldn't he call him Simon? Well, what he's doing there is he's prophesying to Simon what he's about to do. He's going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all know that he's done that. Or he did that. But he's also prophesying to Simon this, that you will be Peter. That I will take your failure and you're going to fail forward. Why? Because of my relationship with you. You don't know it yet, Peter, but I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross for your sin and I'm going to walk out of that grave and I'll have all power and authority to forgive you of that failure and then I'm going to come and I'm going to deposit my Holy Spirit within you and I'm going to transform you into a faithful man of God, faithful to me, faithful to the church, and faithful to my mission. That's my promise. Yes, I'm prophesying that you're going to fail, but you're going to fail forward. Your past isn't going to control your future because of what I'm going about to do for you. Amen. Now, Peter didn't understand that at this time, but he does later on, and we'll see that. But look at this. The question is, still comes to my mind, and probably yours, does Jesus, does Jesus' plan work? Does Simon become Peter? Well, we know in the scriptures that he did. But let me recap it for us, because you know what I know? I know that many of you are followers of Jesus in this room. Many of you have gone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're on, you're on Jesus' team. We're on, team. we're on the team together. But I also know that a lot of times we act like Simon rather than Peter. We're all under construction. 
And we know there's times that we go back to the old stuff and we sin. And when that happens, we, be, we begin to believe that we can't get back in the game because we've sinned. We're benched. And I'm trying to tell you today and remind all of us that your past doesn't have to control your future. That your failure, you can fail forward and that Jesus Christ, who dwells within you by his spirit, can transform you to be faithful. To be faithful to him, to be faithful to each other, and to be faithful to his mission. So what Jesus is saying to all of us today, like he was saying to Peter, get back in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game. Don't let your past determine your future. Amen? So we're going to learn that from Peter. I'm just reminding you, and hopefully it's going to inspire you to get off the bench and get in the game. Here we are. You ready? After the Passover, Jesus entered into the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he entered into there, we all know he was arrested. And when he was arrested, the Gospels tell us that all the disciples, they scattered. They ran for their lives. Except in Luke, it tells us that Jesus followed Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter followed Jesus from a distance. Listen, when you begin to follow Jesus at a distance, when you begin to not identify yourself, you're unwilling to identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. Look what happens to our brother Peter. Jesus is led to the house of the high priest. That's Caiaphas. And there they're going to perform a mock trial. But out in front in the courtyard where the high priest's home is located, there was a fire burning. And there was a number of people who were warming themselves by the fire, including Peter. And a little girl walked up to him and said, aren't you one of the followers? Haven't you been with Jesus? And he denies it. Then two more come to him and say, aren't you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And he de denies it the third time. And cock-a-doodle-doo, the rooster crows, just like Jesus said it would. And right then the Bible tells us that Jesus is being passed from one room to another and he can see the courtyard where Peter is standing, where the fire is burning. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 61 and 62. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter, he, went outside and wept bitterly. Listen, when you are unwilling to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ, you begin to follow him at a distance. What happens to all of us is that we begin to do things that we thought we would never do. We begin to say things that we, know, we thought we would never say. We begin to look at things that we know we have no business looking at. We begin to laugh at things that we know we should never be laughing at. We begin to hang around people that we know that we shouldn't associate with at all. They're going in the wrong direction. So family, be careful. Be careful. Well, the mock trial takes place, and we know the story. We know Jesus Christ is crucified. We know he's resurrected from the dead. And when he walks out of the grave, it says in Mark chapter 16, three women went down to the grave to anoint the body of Jesus. But it also tells us in the Gospels that, a, that an angel showed up. And when they got there, the, the, the stone was rolled back. They went inside, and they couldn't, the Jesus' body was gone. 
And then the angel shows up and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus Christ is alive. He lives. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. The, the angel said to the women, but go and tell his disciples and Peter. So the women, they go looking for, for the disciples and they find them in a house with the doors locked because they're fearful of what the Jews and the Romans are going to do to them. The women are knocking at the door. They finally let them in and they come inside and they say, we went down to the tomb and Jesus' body is gone. And, and the angel showed and told us that he's alive. He lives. And he told us to come and tell you, the disciples, and Peter. And I can imagine that Peter is huddled over in a corner somewhere, filled with guilt and shame. Because he knows that he's denied the Lord. And he knows that the Lord knows that he denied him. So he's believing in his heart and mind that he's locked in. He's locked in as Simon. But then all of a sudden he hears those women say, go tell the disciples and Peter, not Simon. And when he hears that name, hope springs up within Peter. And he begins to believe in his mind, is it possible that Jesus Christ still wants me? That Jesus Christ still desires me? Is it possible that Jesus Christ, still, he can forgive me? Is it possible? That's why Simon Peter jumped out, out of that room and ran down to that temple, down to the, to the tomb. He ran down to that tomb because he was believing that somehow, some way, he was going to be brought back into a relationship and there was hope that he wouldn't have to stay a Simon, that he could become a Peter. And when he ran into that tomb, he ran in and G Jesus was gone. But then the Bible tells us that three different times Jesus showed up and spoke and lived and talked and walked with the disciples. And one of those times is when they're out on a boat fishing. And they're fishing and Jesus is on the shore and he says some things and Peter realizes this is Jesus. He dives into the water. He swims to the shore and there's Jesus. He's got a fire burning and breakfast ready to serve to those disciples. But if you look at the fire that's burning there, it's the same fire that was burning the night in that courtyard where Peter denied his Lord. Same type of fire. And then Jesus looks at those, at Peter, as well as all the rest of the disciples, and he asks Simon Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. And three times Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And why did he do that? He did that to let everyone know, including Peter and all the rest of the disciples, that he was restored, that his relationship with Jesus was restored, and that he was reinstating Peter onto the team. And not just on the team, who's, where he's sitting on the bench, but he's reinstating him to put him right back in the game. And not just in the game, but he was going to continue to make him the captain of the team. What he was saying to Peter and in front of all the rest of those disciples is I still believe in you. I still believe you're the man for the job and I am reinstating you and you will be the captain of this team. Amen? That's what he did in front of all those people. And then we know the rest of the story. We know they went up into the upper room. Fifty days later and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then when they walked out of that room, it was Peter who stood in front of Jerusalem. 
And one day he was standing in front of that fire and he was fearful. He was a coward. But now he's standing on fire with the Holy Spirit and he begins to preach the gospel and thousands of people come to know Christ standing there that day. Then in Acts chapter 4 it tells us this, that there they're standing in front of the gate of the temple and there's a crippled man. And the crippled man is asking them for money. And John and, and, and Peter say this to this man. And I love this. I got to quote it right because I won't quote it right. Here it is. Silver and gold I do not have for you. But what I have I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he walks. He stands up and he's dancing. He's singing. And that story gets back to the religious leaders. And next thing you know, uh, next thing you know Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin. They're standing before Caiaphas, the high priest. They're standing before the very ones that Peter was afraid of that night around that fire. Now he stands there on fire by the Holy Spirit and he tells them what, what had happened and they're saying to them, you will stop talking about Jesus. And they stand there very boldly, very confidently and say, we're not going to stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And they try to intimidate them and they can't intimidate them and so they send them away. And if you read the context, they're saying, what has gone on? These men have become amazing. Why? Because they're filled with the Spirit of God. But it doesn't end there. Then the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, Peter is leaving the, leading the church. And then we know this. We know that by history and by tradition that Peter was crucified upside down because he said he was unworthy to die the same way his Lord died. Listen, did Simon Peter become Peter? Absolutely. He became the rock just as Jesus Christ said he would. He is Peter. He is Peter. Look right here. Let me ask you a question. What's your name? What's your name? What is your name? I reminded you today that God knows the power in a name. A name has the power to shape one's image, character, and destiny. And when God starts a new thing in someone's life, he changes their name. He gives them a new name, a name that matches the plan. Every one of you in this room that have repented of your sin and called upon the name of Jesus Christ, in that moment, you went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You joined the team. You're part of the family of God. And God gave you a new name. And that new name, the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Say that with me. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. What he's saying to you, my friend, he's given you a new name. And by the way, you have a number of new names. But I'm only going to be able to focus on one of them this morning. If you ever read in the Gospels, when you read in the Gospels, or I should say the epistles, the, the letters to the, to the church, many times you see greetings there. You ever read those greetings? They say, they say something like this. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to those sinners in Ephesus, to the sinners in, Gal and in Galatia, to the sinners in Corinth. No, what's it say? It says the saints in Ephesus, the saints in Galatia, the saints in, Cor in Corinth, and the saints at Christ church. Right now, God does not see you as a sinner any longer because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are seen by God completely, without a shadow of a doubt, as a saint. Now, right off the bat, you're saying, Pastor Ed, I don't live like a saint. 
I'm living more like Simon than I'm in Peter half the time. I get that. I understand it. All of us in this room are under construction. Peter didn't become a saint. He didn't become Peter overnight. It took a process. But ultimately, you need to understand that you, before God, are a saint. Where do I get that? Listen, when you, before you met Jesus Christ, before you gave your life to Christ, God saw your sin. You were dead in your sin. He saw every sin. But Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, went to the cross and died, paid the penalty of your sin. Then he walks out of the grave. And when he walked out of the grave, the moment you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment you repented of your sin and you believe upon him, he came and you, he began a brand new relationship in Christ Jesus. Brand new relationship. And in that moment right there, you were born again of the Spirit. And in that moment, Jesus Christ deposited his righteousness, his rightness in you. And the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. It says in the scriptures that we are hidden in Christ. What does that mean? God does not see your sin. He doesn't see anything. You stand before him as if you've never sinned because of the work of Jesus Christ. But he's also saying to us this morning that as you are there, yes, you're not there, you're under construction, but that's who you are in Christ Jesus. And someday when you die and you meet him face to face, then you will be glorified. In that moment, you will be complete and you will be a saint. But in the meantime, you keep your eye on the ball that that's where you're headed. So when you fall, and when you sin, you get up one more time than you fall because you know you can. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his arms are open. That's where the mercy is. Don't run from God. Run to him. And there he'll embrace you by his spirit and he'll continue to transform you. Don't quit. Don't sit on the bench. Get off the bench and get back in the game. You've got to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you. You've got to get up that day and begin to walk in the Spirit. You've got to be in the, in the Word of God, walking in Spirit and truth. Say that with me. Spirit and truth. Say it again. Spirit and truth. That's how we live this Christian life. And when we're doing that, we become more and more like Jesus. We become more and more not like Simon, but more and more like Peter, and you begin to reach your potential. Hallelujah. God bless Jesus Christ to all the glory and honor. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. And you've got to make a decision every day who you're going to follow. What's your name? What is your name? Now look, folks, the church, Christ's church needs help. We need people down in Sunday school with the children, with the youth work here, with the young adults, the church, small group leaders, we need people to step in. We're all on the team. We've locked arms together. We're running the Lord's errands in this generation. And we, God is looking for you. You play a spot on the team. Don't bench yourself. Get off the team. Get off the bench. Get back in the game. I tell people all the time at Urban Impact, don't retire, rewire. At Urban Impact Foundation, we're a Christian community development organization. We're always... You hear that? You know what that means? That means we're down there. We're engaging with business. We're engaging with churches. We're engaging with schools. If you have any kind of business experience, you can use that to build the kingdom of God. Listen, it doesn't matter where you're going. 
If you're a marketer, if you're, a sell, if you're an administrator, if you're good with finance. Matter of fact, we're, re, we're buying homes on the north side right now and restoring them because the north side's changed so much, the cost of living has gone out the roof. So we're buying homes and restoring those homes so our missionaries can stay on the north side of Pittsburgh so that they can communicate and demonstrate the gospel. So if you're a construction worker, it doesn't matter what you do. You can be in the game using your God-given gifts, time, and talents to impact the kingdom of God right here at Christ Church and right on the north side of Pittsburgh. So folks, don't let your past control your future. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get off the bench. And let's lock arms together. And let's run his errands until we see him face to face. And when we finally see him face to face, we'll be glorified. We'll be saints. Hallelujah. Till then, yeah, we're under construction. But keep moving. Keep moving. You with me? Amen. You with the Lord Jesus? Let's get it done together. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. And we thank you that you've given us this tremendous opportunity to lock arms with one another and run your errands in this generation. God, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for the work you're doing in us and through us. And may we continue to stay in the game until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.